from binge-watching Friday the 13th to smoking fine cigars, Gene Snisky joins our podcast to discuss his storied career in the WWE, his prolific days playing for Panther Valley, and much, much more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our one-on-one interview with the man, the myth, and the legend called Snitsky. Hello. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wrestling and Whatever podcast. Today, uh, my next guest is a home state legend from Nesquehoning, Pennsylvania. He was trained by the one and only, the Wild Samoans, Alpha Anoy. Um, and if your eardrums explode during this podcast, just remember, it isn't his fault. He is Gene Snitsky. How's it going, man? Good. I'm having a momentary deja vu moment. I swore <laughs> I just heard that before for somewhere. I, I can't put my finger on it, though. You took the words right out of my mouth. I'm going to... Yeah. I'm going to try to keep this uh, brief with you as I know, um, you know, we appreciate your time so much and try to, you know, get things going here. It seems like this, this application works when it wants to. So um, it's great. I'm, app, becoming, but... I'm becoming extremely aware of that. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so um, um, we'll go hit deja vu up one more time here. Um, so uh, give us uh, some sort of a timeline of your events of your, and of your storied career. Um, like I said before, like as back as far as when you were in high school, I remember you mentioned um, that you played sports, you played football, baseball, and I think you said you were in the choir too, right? No, the uh, ping pong team. Ping pong team, no shit. Yeah, I had a freaking hell of a backhand. You should see it. Nice balls of fury, huh? Well, I practice a lot on my wife. I smack her on the ass with a backhand every once in a while just to <laughs> just to let her know I, I'm appreciating of her beautiful backside. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I got to take some tips from you here. Um, but, uh, hey, did you uh, – when you were in school, I, I know you said you played football, and I'm just, you know, looking up information and, you know, about your story career. I noticed that um, you played football. Did you get a scholarship by any chance for that? Yeah, I was uh, – I think I was starting to give a little bit of insight on that before the gods of this app decided to exchange that. <clears throat> but – uh yeah, I played football uh, all through. Was I played on the first championship team in the history of Panther Valley High School. We won the District 11 Class A championship. We, uh, uh, let's see, we won, yeah, I think we were 9-2, and 9-2-1 and one or something like that, if I remember correctly. And uh, we, the cool thing about that was we played the championship game in uh, like three inches of snow, dude. It was like, it was like a small blizzard. It was great. That was like so much fun, just like playing in the in the snow like that and winning. So it was cool to get the the fire truck ride around in the snow. So that was pretty sweet. That's but, awesome. But uh, yeah, I got a lot of recruited, you know, a lot of you know, recruiting recruited by a lot of colleges. Uh, did the visit thing, went and did all the visits. <clears throat> Ended up uh, went out to Missouri, and uh, the coach at the time, Coach Woody Woodenhofer, he was. Uh, Formerly with the Pittsburgh Steelers and came to my house in Nesquahoning with his four Super Bowl rings on. He'd come all the way out just to watch me play basketball at Panther Valley. So, like, it seemed to me like he really wanted me the most out of all the schools. Like, Joe Paterno was kind of like, eh. Like, I didn't really hit it off with him too well. He was, wasn't, was like, really my kind of guy, so to say. But uh, well, I, did, I went to Temple, Penn State. I can't. And after I went to Missouri, I knew I was going to go there. So I didn't want to miss any more basketball games. So signed on to go to Missouri, played there for – was there for five years, started two, lettered three. Uh, went to the NFL Combines, but I had a pre-existing shoulder injury that was misdiagnosed. They, they diagnosed it as a sublex shoulder, but I actually had a torn labrum. And when I went to the NFL Combines, they kind of discovered that because they do like MRI. Like, like it's a very, very, very extensive, you know, once over. So I uh, found out I had a small tear. Well, I guess it was eh, tear. I wouldn't know if you'd call it a small tear. But anyways, got the surgery done by the team physician for the Steelers. He was buddies with my agent at the time. So I went out to Pittsburgh, had that done. Came back, played in CFL for a little bit with the Birmingham Barracudas, and then 
retired from pro football in 95 and started training to wrestle shortly thereafter. And, uh, you know, just something I always wanted to do. I always loved wrestling as a 10 year old flipping through the channels, got, you know, enamored with Hulk Hogan and the whole larger than life characters and the whole, you know, circus feel to it just really caught my eyes. I was always a class clown and I'd do anything for a laugh and not much has changed in the last 35 years. <laughs> so, you know, just really suited me, suited my personality. I mean, if you ask any of my buddies that knew me growing up or have known me for any length of time, they, they always say, if there was any profession created specifically for you, it would be pro wrestling. So it's always kind of funny because I'd tell people when I was 14, 15 years old, you know, you're either going to watch me on Sundays in the NFL or Mondays on Monday Night Raw. So I always, uh, I always knew I was going to do one or the other, and I always wanted to be a pro athlete. So just uh, – you know, did the football thing and then got discovered by Samu, who's actually Alpha's son, and did a tour with him and Lloyd, his brother Lloyd. So I uh, went over all throughout the Middle East, uh, Southeast Asia, Hawaii, Afghanistan. We were all over the place, Afghanistan. Uh, I was out, I think it was like a 28 or 29-day tour, so it was pretty sweet. Got to see a lot of the military bases and entertain the troops and all that kind of stuff, so thinking to myself, man, you know, I was getting a hundred bucks a day and I was like, if this is what pro wrestling's like, man, this is awesome. <laughs> I was like traveling all around the world on my very first tour and uh, ended up getting invited to train at their camp in Allentown, which is actually like 40 minutes from my house, ironically. And uh, went in there with Sam and Lloyd and I call them pops uh, off of Anawaii. And I uh, did my workout for them, and they, you know, liked me and invited me into the camp. And the rest, so they say, is history. Just kind of took off after that, and I got signed with WWE in 04. Moved out to Louisville in June of June of 04, and was fortunate enough to get into a storyline on WWE that September. So. Everything kind of flew by after that. Like, everything just happened really fast. I was very fortunate because I know a lot of guys that had been at OVW for two, three, four years, and I was there like four months and then, you know, got a spot and took off and, you know, did all that. So it was kind of cool, you know. Yeah, and that's another thing I was actually going to ask you too. I mean, it's probably one of the most asked questions you hear really on any podcast, but like what wanted you to get into the business? But I think you pretty much answered that yourself there with saying, you know, growing up watching and especially Hulk Hogan, how big he was and how everything levitated around him. You know, I mean, hell, yeah. I'd be, I'd be lying if I said that, if I wanted to get into it, that'd be probably one of the first people, him and macho man. But yeah. Um, yeah. The eighties, the eighties characters were just so much, uh, so much more entertaining. I would say like, I can remember being a kid and you're just like, you go to school and talk about wrestling and talk about WrestleMania coming up. And like, did anybody see WrestleMania? Like it was always like a topic of conversation at school after the weekend. Cause where I grew up in Pennsylvania, Nesco Honing, there was always like Saturday morning superstars or we picked up WORT TV out of New York. So there was always like some sort of wrestling and we'd always be talking about it. And, you know, whenever it was local, me and my one buddy would always go and, try to get down in the front row so I could see how big I was compared to the, to the guys and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So it was cool, man. It was fun. Like there was the prism prism network was like one of the older cable cable stations back in the day. And they were based out of Philly and they had the spectrum wrestling. So you'd always get, you know, the little thing you hooked to the back of the TV with the aluminum foil on to try to pick up prism and watch spectrum wrestling. And like, you know, like they're wrestling in a snowstorm in Alaska kind of thing. <laughs> it's it's crazy how technology has come though so far from that to like yeah. the network now it's nuts yeah it's crazy man speaking of the network i just happened to be on the network and my my uh special on the network just happens to be at over 1.2 million views <clears throat> in a week <laughs> i noticed not to brag or anything but <laughs> you know i don't want to toot my own horn but toot toot hell yeah hey i had a I had a, a question here for you. So I know that you were football. What what uh, position did you play, tackle? I actually started at defensive end. I was first team All-State in high school as a defensive end and then uh, got recruited as a defensive end. But once I got to Missouri, I just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. 
I was always fast, but I, I had really long arms. So, ironically, the coach for the oh the Super Bowl winning coach Andy Reid for the Chiefs was my offensive line coach at Missouri. So, I got a lot of good experiences from a lot of good coaches. So, it was cool playing for Coach Reid. He actually handpicked me to move me to offensive line. He liked me and wanted me to play for him. So, I got uh, but uh, freshman, sophomore, sophomore year, I moved over to offensive line. Now, is that why you're an Eagles fan? No, nah, I'm a diehard Eagles fan, dude. I was uh, I was sitting there as a 10-year-old watching them lose to the Raiders with a tear in my eye with Harold Carmichael jersey on. I was not happy. Uh, my dad's a huge Eagles fan, so oh, he uh... – I'm a diehard. I was uh, – I actually went out to the Super Bowl two years ago and yeah. spent way too much money on a ticket, but it was a once-in-a-lifetime thing and I had to go. So the first time they went to the Super Bowl with Coach Reed, I was up in Alaska wrestling with WWE, so I couldn't make it. And I said to myself, if the Eagles ever go to another Super Bowl, I'm going no matter what I have to do. So my buddy Aaron Muller has an RV. Jumped in the RV. We road tripped out to Minneapolis. And uh, I got to see the Eagles win their first Super Bowl in person. And that was quite a moment. I'm happy for you, but I'm kind of pissed off because I'm a Vikings fan. So, (laughs) Well... I got a buddy whose brother's a Vikings fan. He wasn't too thrilled about it either, but unfortunately, it's not my fault. The Eagles made it, and the Vikings didn't. Yeah, nice. I think the Eagles beat the Vikings to go to the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 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 they did. Keep rubbing it in. (laughs) (laughs) uh, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! All right, this is done. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I have... uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, which I'm not sure you probably were asked this before, but so you were heavily involved in sports growing up. And I know you said you had that nagging shoulder injury. Now, let's say you didn't have the nagging shoulder injury. Do you think you still would have pursued wrestling or do you think that you would have probably been on an NFL team somewhere? No, I definitely would have still done it. I always wanted to do it, like I said. So it was just a matter of letting football run its course because I always promised my mom and dad that, you know, I'd go as far as I could with football before I started to try to do the wrestling because I got a full scholarship. I wanted to get my education. I wanted something to fall back on in case something didn't work out because I'm not only ruggedly handsome, I'm very intelligent as well. Very good. I was thinking of a question, a really smart question to ask you, but I'm pretty dumb, so I don't have any of those. That's okay. So. It takes so, a lot of people to make up the world. There's smart people, dumb people, good-looking people, ugly people. I mean, it's just the way it is. And it just so happens I'm all of them. Well, um, <laughs> variety is the spice of life. So. Hell yeah. See, I like your stuff. <laughs> so what was your initial reaction when they wanted to promote you full-time to WWE after your match with Kane? Like, I know you said well, everything I didn't happened really... so fast. Yeah, I didn't really even know I was supposed to be full-time because, it like, the way it all happened was kind of unique. And to this day, I'm probably the only guy that this ever happened to. Like, I literally went and did the thing with Kane on Monday, went back to Louisville, trained that whole week. The next Monday, I'm in the ring training, and Dreamer comes over. He's like, hey, you got to go. Vince just called. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, dude? He's like, no, I'm telling you, Vince just called. You have to go catch a flight to Phoenix. I'm like, yeah, okay. I thought he was ribbing me. I thought he was messing around. So I keep doing my thing, and he literally gets in the ring. He's like, grabs me. He's like, come on, you got to come. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm serious. You got to go. I'm like, oh, okay. So I go. I'm like running like to the airport to get there in time, and I'm like soaked through my clothes. And I get there, and they're closing the door, and I like beg the lady to let me on the flight. So anyway, we got to – I think my connection was in Dallas. I'm pretty sure it was. And I got there, and the connecting flight – was like so far away I ended up not being able to make it over or some there was something messed up like with the times or something. But anyways, I wasn't gonna make it. Oh, that's what it was. The next flight it was too long of a wait till the next flight to make it to Raw on time. So they flew the WWE corporate jet to Dallas to meet me and I got shuttled over, got on that and flew to Phoenix with like an hour to spare. So I was reviewing my stuff on the plane as I got there and it was an interesting day to say the least. Yeah, that's crazy. I remember the listening to the story that you had too, where they sent the private jet. You're like, why did you just do that in the beginning? I yeah, was dying. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, why did anybody think it is during the week? <laughs> it's like, really? <laughs> but that's just how it is, man. You got to be that's able to, 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 to change, uh, adjust, adapt, and you know, move forward. 
And there's only so many, you know, so few of people that could do that. And you did that really well. Um, and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, man. But when I first saw you, because I've been an avid fan for the longest time. I remember seeing you. I was like, holy fuck, he's huge. And you just had this like, you know, you could tell you work out. Um, but uh, you, uh, you just had this. I'm glad it's finally story. starting to show. <laughs> you had this like enamor about you. I was like, this guy, just by watching it for so long, I was like, I hope this guy stays because I just, your in-ring work, you just had this big guy like work and with everyone, the finesse that you had with everyone, it was just fantastic. And watching you with Kane, it was just like, I hope this guy stays because there's so many people you see join the business that just join oh. and then they don't have anything for them and they leave. Yep. Um, yeah, I could tell you. I mean, it seemed like every week somebody was coming or going. It was crazy. But uh, now, eventually, your angle became so big that you went on to have some pretty great matches and angles in the WWE. What do you think could have been if you had stayed, like, let's say, in ECW when you got drafted there and not gone back to Raw? Well, I've said it before. I mean, it, like, it was going so well, and then they just kind of pulled the rug out from under my feet. And I don't know why. I never really got an explanation. I was told that I was doing so good on ECW that they wanted to bring me back to Raw to get more visibility for me. And I was kind of like, well, you know, in the back of my mind, it didn't really make any sense to me because I was getting over so well at ECW, and the whole character just fit that whole persona so much better. And I was coming out and, and creaming everybody, like all, you know, Lashley, Punk, everybody. And I was like, you know, was, this is great because they did the big build up, and I, I flew up to the headquarters to film vignettes and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, it was great. <clears throat> and then, you know, like I said, one day Steph stopped me and she's like, hey, you know, my dad, you know, wants to get you back to Raw and probably going to draft you and da 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 da. da. And I was like, eh. I was like, okay. Because I was always the type of guy, I was like, you know, I'll take whatever they give me and make the most of it. But at the time, I was kind of, a little bummed out because the ECW was getting such a good reaction and the show was getting better and better. And I was having really good matches with everybody. And I just felt like I had a more of a prominent role with the ECW as opposed to the raw, but you know, it is what it is. I was, like I said, I, I was thrown in a situation and I I've said it before and I'll say it again. I was always the type of guy, you know, if you're going to give me the ball, I'm going to run with it. And I'm going to score a touchdown no matter what. I'm going to make it work, and I'm going to be entertaining. And you know, that's just my mindset, man. I was, I was like, just always one of the guys. Like, whatever you give me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my heart and soul into it and make it work. So. And I, and I know your catchphrase has always been, always will be. Uh, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> where did that, where did that come from? Did you think of that on the fly? Yeah, that was kind of just something that came out. I was getting interviewed by JR and, you know, said something to me like, you know, why'd you do it or yada, yada. And I was like, well, you know, JR, she shouldn't have been in the ring. She shouldn't have been in the ring in the first place. So it's not my fault. She was, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it, then, like, I literally remember Stephanie. She used to do a lot of, she used to work and produce a lot of my segments. So I remember her coming up to me and, like, saying, hey, Keep using, keep saying that it's not my fault thing when you, every time you're interviewed or on the microphone. So I was like, thinking to myself, what did I do here? <laughs> so it just kind of res I guess it resonated with so many people. They just wanted me to keep saying it. So like I, I said to the, you know, to this day, I get it every single day of my life. It's crazy. Well, I can assure you, being a fan of yours and a fan of the wrestling business, you know, I think that was when I was about to graduate high school. Me and my me and my best friends. That's how we used to say to each other, "Yo, what what the fuck did you do to my shit over here?" I'd be like, it wasn't my fault. So it was it was just something that always stuck. And I mean, it's crazy to it to think you know it just came on the fly like that. And now I know you said that you've worked and Steph produced a lot of your stuff. Like, how was it working with her? Oh, it was great. I got along really good with her. It was uh, you know from day one, I never had any problems. We we just kind of clicked and. You know, it was cool to work with her one-on-one -on -one and, and get the insight, you know, from one of the McMahon family members. You know, they are you know, they always treated me awesome. I always got along great with her. I got along great with, with her father and Shane. I always goofed around with him, and I used to goof around backstage wrestling and shit. Just, you know, I never had any issues with any of the guys or the girls, you know. But it was fun working with Steph. I got to learn 
you know, a lot of the the ins and outs of the business from, you know, Stephanie McMahon. So it's kind of cool. Not too many people could say that. Now, now let's say, for example, let's say WWE gives you a call back. Let's say Bruce Pritchard or somebody gives you a call and says, yo, Gene, so we want you to come back. We want you to work NXT. Would you do it? Well, I don't know. I mean, they always tell you in the wrestling business, never say never, but it would take a lot of zeros behind the first number to get me to stop doing what I'm doing now. So, Fair enough. Yeah. But, I mean, never say never. If it's like, you know, a one-off thing or like a, a few-month storyline kind of thing or something like that, I, I could probably safely say I would definitely do it just because it would be cool to get my face back on TV and, and please all the fans that, keep asking me, are you going back? Are you going back? Like I always, I get that a lot too. So. But I mean, you know, if uh, the situation presented itself and it was the right situation and the right time, I mean, who knows? I mean, anything could happen. And I mean, it's not that you're in bad shape because from what I've seen from everything that you share, holy shit, dude, you're, yeah. you're fucking jacked. Yeah. I'm quite <laughs> so. a physical specimen. My yeah, wife, uh, my wife enjoys, uh, working out with me and stuff like that. We have a gym in the basement, like, you know, we've referred to the dungeon and, you know, she's, uh, she's, she goes, man, she could hold her own and uh, I got to keep up with her. So what's that like to look good? Climbing Mount Snitsky. What's that? <laughs> she's climbing Mount Snitsky <laughs> on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. Um, so now this is, you don't have to ask this if you don't want to, but where did you meet your wife? Craigslist. Really? No. <laughs> Facebook Marketplace. Oh, very good. <laughs> All right. Fair Actually, enough. she was my she was my banker. She she managed the bank where I banked. And uh, really, ironically, one day I had to go into the bank. I, I don't know why. And I always joke around with her about this because I'm like, you know, if I would have never came into the bank that day, I would have never met you, and we might not be where we are today. Because I had, I usually always go through the drive-thru, and that was the joke. And I was like, one day I walk in there, and I see this tall blonde with these long, freaking amazing legs. And I just happened to turn, and I was like, ooh, I need to know that woman. So that's kind of how it all happened. That's awesome. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, like you just said before, when opportunity strikes itself, I mean, everything happens for a reason. So. Yeah. Well, I'm a leg man, and she has long, amazingly sexy legs, and... I was kind of, you know. See, I'm an ass man, so. Well, everybody's a hazard thing, man. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, moving forward here, I wanted to ask you another question. I, I researched this, and I wasn't sure if it was true or not, so maybe you could enlighten me. Uh, were you in TNA or Impact? I did, like, two episodes for them. They offered me a deal, and I pretty much ripped it up and left. It was terrible. Why was it? Why was it cut so short? Because the deal was so shit. Yeah, yep. Yeah, they tried to pull the old uh, bait and switch on me, and I, I'm, you know, it ain't my first rodeo. So, I uh, actually was booked to do some gigs with them in Allentown when they were doing the Allentown thing, and I, I just basically left because they told me one thing and tried to pull something else, and I was like, "Nah, I'm sorry, buddy. I don't need to make a name for myself. I'm already, I'm already established." <laughs> So I left. I hear you. I mean, whatever is best for you as well. So, I mean, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about that, but I mean, it's pretty much, you said it right there, two episodes and you're done. I I don't blame you. I just, uh, I wasn't going to tarnish my legacy over, you know, a one-off thing on TNA. So, and that's not what, that wasn't what we had had talked about, but anyways, (laughs) I'm kind of wishing that, you know, ECW was still a thing because your character when you were on there, man, it was, I was, you know, almost graduating high school. So I'm watching just this, and now don't take any offenses, but like you were just grotesque, like not ugly because like you said, you're a beautiful specimen, but it was just, you were so, it was scary looking. Like you were scary as hell with that. Yeah, that was, that's just kind of the point, man. So I'm glad it came across. Vince came up to me one day and he's like, hey, uh, I want you to shave off all your hair and go see the makeup lady and see what they could do with your teeth to make them look like dirty or something. I was like, all right. Like I said earlier, I took everything they gave me and tried to, you know, make it into gold. So 
off I went, did the thing, and, uh, you know, just ironically enough, it actually it fit the ECW thing so good. Like, I was like, guys, oh, you know, this won't be too bad. The worst part of that whole thing was painting that shit on my teeth every time I had it, you know, every night. Because it was like, uh, it came in like a little enamel jar, like how women have the toenail polish kind of stuff. It came in a jar like yeah. that, and then I had to like get all my teeth dry as possible. And I literally painted on my teeth and then air dry it. And it was like, it just turned into such a pain in the ass. <laughs> but, you know. Now, even in ECW when you were there, um, and, and Raw, for that matter, who was your, your favorite guy to work with? Oh. Uh, Ooh, that's a tough one. I wouldn't say I had a favorite. I had a lot of good matches with a lot of different people. I always enjoyed working with uh, Bob Holly. I always enjoyed working with Umaga back when him and I were tag teaming. Uh, Tyson Tomko was, you know, another guy I enjoyed wrestling with. Gold Dust, you know, he, him and I did the tag for a while. He was always awesome to work with. Uh, Benoit always had really good, good, like hard, solid matches with Benoit. Him and I's his style complemented my style, so we had really good matches because we both liked to lay shit in, and we both liked to make it look as real as possible. So there's a lot of, like, if you if you Google our matches and the hardcore matches we did for that ECW storyline, man, there are some of my best matches and most fun matches. And it's like, you know, it's, it's not often you get in a ring with somebody and you just instantly click, but there's a handful of guys that I could say that that happened with. It's, uh... It's a lot of good, good chemistry. A lot of good times. A lot of fun. A lot of good stories, and you know, it was just a cool time. Like the whole ECW thing was cool. The whole the, when we led up to the one night stand pay per view in New York, that was just such a cool angle. I don't know. Just it was neat to be a part of it because it's basically you know, it's pretty big wrestling history. You know, it really is. So I mean, even with that being said, so out of anyone you work with, so like going another day in the office and you're like, you know, oh shit, I don't want to, I don't want to go against this guy tonight or I don't want to work with him because he's a little snug or, you know, he likes a potato here and there. Who was, would you say that maybe even Benoit was probably the, the most fun to work with because of just how his style was? And Yeah. I mean, him and I, we had similar work. style because I like to lay my stuff in too. I, and, you know, I, I don't want to go out there. I always tell guys, like, if you're not going to lay shit in and hit me, like, I'm a big guy. You got to hit me. Just hit me. It's not. It's not gonna hurt. You know. You're not gonna hurt my feelings. I hate it when guys like would just barely hit you. I, I like. I'd cut them off and, and hit them. I'm like, dude. If you don't hit me, I'm gonna hit you. It's simple. Simple as that. And piss them off just to get them going. Well, you know, you have to. It's you're on live TV, dude. There, there's six, five, six million people watching you. Do I want to go out there and look like a, a douche, or do I want to go out there and look like I'm a crazy psychopath that's gonna rip your fucking head off? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I hear you, and you know that's why I think I enjoyed watching your wrestling because you could you could literally hear this just the 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 smacks and the punches yeah. and just all movements. So yeah, the clothesline on John Cena that they put on the documentary was was one of my favorites. I forgot about that one. And we were watching it, and my wife was like, "Oh my god!" Oh, oh. <laughs> I was just laughing. It was funny because she's she likes watching so wrestling you- too. So. It's funny to watch her reactions, like seeing my stuff, because she never really knew me up like my wrestling stuff until after we started seeing each other. So it's kind of funny to see her reactions when she watches it. Yeah, I remember I was actually just watching that too uh, a couple days ago again, because I just wanted to really just listen to um, you know what you were saying and just all the clips because it brought back good memories. And yeah, I, when you said about you know clothesline and Cena there, I literally heard. I thought my phone <laughs> speaker was going to explode. Yeah, that was a good. One. But uh, there's a really chair good. shot. There's so, a chair shot on uh on RVD when I was doing the ECW thing. That's also really good. That literally looks like I crushed his head. It was great. I uh, I was actually just watching a couple of your matches a few days ago. I'm actually gonna go back and rewatch your your initial match with yeah. Kane. Um, because that was awesome. I love that one. But uh, yeah, I like how they I like <laughs> how they do, framed you... the camera angle to where it was just Glenn and, and Relita in the corner, and then you just see me coming out of nowhere with the chair. Uh, I was like, oh, that looks cool. Like I, you know, you never get to see that angle of it when you're doing it. 
Now, for anyone listening, I, I know there's this one spot where I was in tears laughing. It was when you brought the baby out, the, the, the fake baby, and you punted it. Whose idea was that? Was that yours or was that, like, creative? That was creative idea, but there's a funny story about it because, like, Vince actually handled that segment. He was the producer for that, so he was working with me. And we were doing, you know, walking through it and all that. And he's like, "Okay, so then you're gonna punt the baby. You're gonna kick." He didn't say punt. I think he said, "Then just kick the baby." And I'm like, "Okay." And I'm looking at him, and he's like looking at me, and then there's like an awkward moment of silence, and he's like, hey, "Whatever you do, don't fucking miss it." And I was laughing. I'm like, "Mr. McMahon, what was the all area punt around my high school football team?" This is gonna be freaking great. <laughs> and he's just shaking his head. And I was like, you know, I didn't give a shit. I thought it was funny. Oh, I was dying. I absolutely Well the best that. part is like a lot of people don't realize it. It's hard to see it like on the footage that they that they show, but the guy that caught it threw it back at me. And if you watch it closely, really? you can see me like dip my head a couple inches because the damn guy almost hit me square in the head with the damn baby doll. Yeah, a little, little tidbit of inside oh information. God. Only for our listeners here. Thanks, man. I yep. appreciate it. Um, so not a, not to cut the, the wrestling talk out here now, but I want to ask is I know you're really involved in filmmaking. Is there any previous films that you've done? Well, my most recent project is 100 Acres of Hell. We just got uh, that – uh, last October, that came out on all the streaming services, and we had a nice theatrical release, very limited run. We did a nice big premiere at the Coldale Angela Theater, my hometown theater. I used to go there when I was in high school watching movies and stuff, so I wanted to keep it as you know local and to, you know to the local area as possible. So I always wanted to do that. So that came out really good, and. Uh, we just it just came out on DVD, I think, yeah, about a week or two ago. So you could actually get the physical copy of the DVD now as well from Indican Pictures is uh, is the distributor. But uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, 100 Acres of Hell, 100 Acres of Hell, and uh, it's got, it's a throwback slasher film. I always wanted to do. Uh, horror movies, and I just really, really love the 80s slasher flicks. Ha- you know, Halloween and, and Friday the 13th are my two favorite movies. And just always wanted to to do that type of stuff. Just, uh, you know, I was very fortunate to meet up with some people along the way, and I know a lot of people, and I got a lot of contacts, so it just kind of fell into place. Took a while, but it eventually fell into place, and you know, I'm super proud of it. I was, uh, I co-wrote it. I, uh, male lead, stunt coordinator, fight coordinator, producer. So I wore a lot of hats and I'm very proud of how it came out. And everybody that's seen it has liked it. And, you know, I think it's very authentic and throwback to the eighties. Like I said, I always wanted to, uh, always wanted to pay homage to those type of films and, I think uh, I think with the limited budget and the actual storyline being, it's kind of true to form. Like it's kind of it's semi true and semi fiction, but uh, I'm I'm very proud of it. Like I said, we we won the best horror film at the Philadelphia Film Festival, so that was kind of cool. And it's won other numerous awards, but uh, like I said, man, it's just something I always wanted to do. I always wanted to to get involved in that after wrestling and you know so like i said it's currently out there right now on demand and and available on dvd so if any of the horror fans out there want to check that out 100 acres of hell it's got uh actually one of the uh, one of the anawais is uh in it as well samu plays the the villain and his brother uh alpha jr was the his stunt double so we had a we had like an amazing fight scene. It's set up in front of this big bonfire, man. It's it's awesome. If you get a chance, check it out. 
Oh, absolutely. I saw a trailer on it, you know, a little while back, I guess when you were in the process of doing it and finishing it. But uh, I know my wife's really in the horror movies, so we'll probably have to snack. We'll have to find that somewhere, pick it up. Um, you know, it'd be nice if something like that was on like a Netflix or a Hulu, maybe get a nice little it is on it. for you. It's on, it's on all those. Uh, yeah. It's oh. on, uh, yeah, oh, yeah it's really? on. What, what cable company do you have? Um, well, in this area, we have service. Electric. Yeah, it's on. Sure it's on demand on service electric, or you could do uh, Amazon Prime or any of those. Oh, we got that too. That's perfect. I'll have to hit that yeah, up. Yeah, but thank you, sir. Let me know how you like. Um, so, uh, uh, so, all I said was just let me know how you like it. Oh, absolutely. So that leads me to my next question for you. Any future films you're interested in doing, maybe like a comedy or, or a thriller or something? Well, I'm not really at liberty to discuss the next project just yet because they want to hold off on an announcement, but it's going to involve me and my wife, and it's probably going to make you laugh. So, so yeah, See, I love comedies, so I'm all about comedies. Yeah, so, so. yeah, stay tuned That's for awesome. that. That should be pretty darn good. And then uh, hopefully our film does really well, and if there's enough interest, we already have a synopsis for part two, so that would probably be the next one in the pipeline. And then uh, I'm also involved in a surplus business with a buddy of mine. We have Priority One Surplus in Hamburg, Pennsylvania. It's a outdoor and surplus shop. We have a lot of uh, military-type stuff, a lot of outdoors-type stuff. Uh, my brother was in the Army. My dad was in the Air Force. And I've always, you know, had the utmost respect for the military. And when I had the opportunity to get involved in this, I jumped at it. And, uh, you know, I was on Tribute to the Troop show with WWE and got to see firsthand how those guys live and the sacrifices they make. And, uh, you know, I've always had a lot of respect for them. And after doing that, I had a lot more respect for them. And to this day, that's probably the most rewarding trip I've ever done as far as like entertainment wise or, you know, that kind of stuff, because those guys were so happy to see you and just so excited to see the show. It was just crazy. Like the energy those guys had for being out in the middle of Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, I can't, can't thank them enough because if it wasn't for those guys, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing or have a podcast or a movie or any of that kind of stuff. So, Thanks to all the servicemen and women out there. I appreciate it. My wife appreciates it. And, you know, keep doing what you're doing. We do appreciate it. I 100% agree because if it wasn't for them, I mean, we wouldn't, like you just said, we wouldn't be able to do this. We wouldn't be able to do a lot of things. So um, let's keep asleep at night. You know, a lot of people, you know, they don't, they take it for granted. But I mean, like you said, uh, it's, crazy world out there and they're keeping it yep. safe for all of us so yes much appreciated man and uh man i have a few other questions here i know we're limited on time here but i'll try to make it as quick as possible um so i noticed from social media that you're uh you're into cigars what's your favorite uh, drew estate i uh, i'm personal friends with jonathan he uh he's a super cool dude one of his marketing guys is one of my best friends and he just happened to be a big wrestling fan, so I met him over at Cigars International at one of the events one time, and we just hit it off and kept in touch and always meet up and do lunch and a cigar and this and that. And his name is Matty Rock. He's out there in uh, New York City. He's uh, He has a marketing company doing all that kind of stuff. So just kind of always enjoyed them and always, uh, you know, I like sitting out, having a good cigar, relaxing with the wife, and... Just happened to like Drew Estates, man. They're all everyone I've ever had of theirs was really good. I like the infused flavor ones. I like the uh, the are really good. The naturels, the acids, the Cubas. I mean, there's so many good ones, man. It's definitely my definitely my favorite. Yeah. I know acids were my go-to for a little while, and so were the uh, the macadoodles. Yeah, mother, I mean the macadoodles are yeah, okay. Had- I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm. Uh, I've I've actually I bought a case of the Juicy Lucy's, the new ones. It's a little torpedo style. It's like three inches. They're not too bad. That's what I've been smoking lately. Those are really good. <clears throat> oh, nice. Yeah, the acids, the shorties were the yeah. ones I'd always. Yeah, the Jabba's are but, good uh, too. The, those are those are always good. Yeah, we have the smoking Joes up by our yeah. area here. I'll have to check it out. But, um. Um. 
Now, with your cigar, do you pair it with anything like a bourbon? No, nah, I'm not a big like drinker. That? Like, I'll have, honestly, I'll drink it with like a coffee or, I'm sorry, I'll smoke it with like a coffee or like an energy drink or something, ironically. Yeah. Yeah. I like energy a good drink. rock star with a cigar, believe it or not. It's kind of, I don't know, it just tastes good to me together. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. That's if cool. I'm drinking, if I'm uh, drinking, I'll do never... wine. I, I like wine. A friend of mine has a, a a winery. It's Antler Ridge. It's up here in Pennsylvania. They have a location in Jim Thorpe and one in Waymark. And uh, his Red Vixen is freaking awesome. But uh, yeah, if I'm in the mood to have a, a an adult beverage, it'll be a, a glass of his wine and a cigar, and my wife and I on the deck and. Don't let the exterior fool you. I'm I'm a, a well versed, sophisticated, ruggedly handsome, bearded wonder. <laughs> That's so fucked up. I love it. Uh, uh, a couple other things here before we wrap this up. I just want to ask you. Do you? I asked I asked uh, Mike Josie this too. Do you have any like road stories or any crazy stories you've seen happen in the back at all or on the road or anything? Uh, like no. I was in bed. I was in bed by nine every no. night. <laughs> and I got a lot of stories. I just don't want to disrespect my wife. <laughs> She's sitting right here, and I don't want to <laughs> tell anything that's going to make her feel uncomfortable. But uh, there was uh, there was a lot of things that happened. Well, she knows about my foot fetish, obviously. So. We'll go with that story. That's always a, that's always a crowd pleaser for some reason. But we're on a we're on a flight to Europe one time, and it was myself and Shelton Benjamin. And Shelton was always the type of guy to egg you on to do something. So like, he got this one girl, and the next thing you know, I was sucking her toes, and then her friend wanted her toes sucked, and it was like it just turned into uh, one of those kind of things. So, <laughs> yeah. oh man. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, fucking... <laughs> it was uh, it That's was crazy. So, so you're you're not only a legs man, well, but you're a toe man. I wouldn't say toe man, more of a foot guy. My wife has nice feet too. She's like, like a size ten, so a little a lot to enjoy. <laughs> right, honey? Nice. Your beautiful size ten. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So uh, I know we're getting to the end of the show here. So I have some quick fire questions I want to ask you. So it could be just one word. I think you already answered the one that I have here for you. Favorite beer or alcoholic drink. You yeah. mentioned your buddy's wine in uh, from, from Thorpe. Um, what's your go-to movie to watch? Whew. Like I said, man, probably Friday the 13th. I was, I love, my, actually my wife and I just sat and watched them not too long ago. Because I think there was a Friday the 13th not too long ago. Yeah, and we sat and watched them. Yeah. Yep, Friday the 13th. Okay. If you couldn't be an Eagles fan, what would be uh, your team? I hate to sound like cheesy, but probably the Chiefs because of Coach Reed. Okay. Favorite comrade in the locker room? That could be somebody that you rode with, somebody that you – just your confidant or whoever you went to in the back, who was your favorite guy to go I to? traveled with Mike Kyoto. He was always one of my favorite dudes, man. Him and I, I'd say I'd say him. Him and I just hit it off, man, from day one. And we always traveled together, always hung out. Real, really good guy. All right. Now, the next question, you don't have to answer, but, I mean, if you, if you would, it'd be cool. Who's your least favorite? Hmm. Just somebody that rubbed you the wrong way all the time. Honestly, nobody. Nobody really jumps out at me. I got along with everybody. I never had any issues with anybody, to be honest with you. Do you know anyone that like didn't like working with you in the back that, that said no. your face or anything like that? No. No. I, I hate to be I hate to be you a disappointment that. with that one, but yeah, I never had any issues with anybody. Oh, that's that's all good. There's a lot of people, though, that, you know, they go and they uh, even like even me going to work. I mean, I'm I feel like I'm the same way. Go in, do my job. Okay. I don't piss anybody off and just do your job. So that, that's pretty cool. Next question probably get a really hard one for you, man. So I'll give you some time. Nick Foles <laughs> or Carson Wentz? 
Nick Foles. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I got really? a. I actually have an autograph. Why? His autograph of one of my footballs because I like you know like I said I'm a diehard Eagles fan and I would go down to camp every year and I got to meet him. I got to meet Wentz. I mean I know all those guys. The head of security is a good friend of mine. My wife and I go down for a game every year pretty much. But uh, yeah, definitely Foles. Just because of you know he's the only quarterback in the history of the franchise doing the Super Bowl, dude. You got to go with Foles. You think? They yeah. Kept him Honestly, I do. Or... Wentz, I mean, Wentz is a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong, but he can't even make it through the season. You know, I, uh, I don't yeah. know. I, I think now. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? I'm sorry. What do you think about that, Jalen Hurts? I haven't had any chance to research it. I, I haven't really watched any of the draft. I, I honestly don't. I didn't even look at any of their picks. I hate to say it, but I'm not one of those like uh, fantasy football kind of guys. Well, I know you guys really needed, you know, being an Eagles fan, you really needed a uh, wide receiver, and you got one in the first round. He's from TCU. He's going to be pretty good for you guys, but I, I'm a huge uh, Sooners fan, and Jalen Hurts was the quarterback from them, so I was hoping that he'd go to Mini. But when I saw, you know, that the Eagles drafted him, I, me and my dad were texting each other immediately, like, wow, what a pickup, because he's actually a, an mm-hmm. Alabama fan too. So being that he played for both of our teams that we like – it was, it's, I guess, good to see that he went to, you know, somewhere. But, yeah, he, uh, I think it's going to be a little chaos in the, in the you know, them seeing on the training camp if there is one. Yeah, I hope Coronavirus, so. but. We'll see. Yeah, I think you guys look like you're going to be pretty good. You guys just drafted wide receiver, too, so that's going to be, uh, not drafted, but you guys actually just picked nice. somebody from San Fran. Uh, well, uh, anything could happen, that's for sure. So. Hell, yeah. So, uh, we're Towards the end of the, the podcast here, usually at the end of the podcast, I give uh, whoever is the guest on to uh, give them a few minutes to if they want to promote anything or, you know, give a shout out or whatever. You know, I know that, you know, the surplus story that you're working at, if you want to give any type of insight on that or any type of things you want to promote. Sounds good. The floor is well, yours, sir. first and foremost, I just want to tell everybody thank you for being a fan. If you're a fan of mine, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, if it wasn't for the fans, there'd be no Itsuki or WWE or anything. So a lot of guys lose track of that and think that they exist in a world of their own and they don't. So just want to thank all the fans. And if you guys want to check out the shop, it's PriorityOneSurplus.com. Always got good deals going there. You could always uh, stop by as well. I'm pretty much at the shop all the time when we're open. We should be back open on May 8th. Uh you know, obviously, I got to thank my wife. She keeps me going. She keeps me motivated. She's my workout partner, my life partner, my partner in crime, the Robin to my Batman. So just want to thank her for putting up with me because I'm not always the easiest guy to deal with. But uh, she's awesome. And she could go, man. She's jacked. Anybody wants to uh, check her out, she's on all my social media stuff, too. So. She's awesome. Uh, Vitargo is my sponsor. I always uh, got to give them some love. It's a scientifically engineered super carbohydrate. They are uh, an awesome company. A lot of science and research went into the product. I've been using it for years. My wife uses it. I can't speak enough about it. It's great. Try it if you'd like. It's Vitargo.com. And uh, obviously my horror movie, 100 Acres of Hell, made in Pennsylvania and Atlantic City, New Jersey. Give that a check. Check it out. 100acresofhell.com. 100acresofhell.com. And also just, uh, you know, get a chance to check out my WWE, What would they, Where Are They Now uh, segment. It's a little bit of insight into my daily life. And, you know, if you're a fan of mine, you should get a good chuckle out of it. I always try to be as entertaining as possible with a with a sense of humor involved because life's too short man you got to have fun can't be miserable you gotta you know live every day to the fullest i could go on and on about that i've had a lot of friends die young and you know just uh you never know man you could uh be here today gone tomorrow so live it up live uh you know don't anybody tell you you can't do something if you think you could do it and you have the right mindset you will do it I'm from a small town of 3,000 people in the middle of nowhere in the coal regions of Pennsylvania and got one stoplight in my town and I always knew I was going to do something in a professional athlete way 
And I never let anybody tell me I couldn't because there was a lot of naysayers. But ironically, they were the same ones that came back and wanted autographs for their kids. So funny how that all works. But uh, I think I plugged everything I need to plug. But check me out on social media, The Real Snitsky on Instagram, Big Gene Snitsky on Twitter. Uh, always something going on, some kind of antics. My wife and I, like I said, are going to be starting some type of entertainment platform. So keep your eyes open for that. We think it's going to be very, very, very entertaining and very, very, very funny. If anybody remembers the variety shows from the 70s, think variety show from the 70s with my flair and my wife's flair. And we'll leave it at that. I can't give away too much. But, uh, yep, so keep an eye out for that. And if anybody watched the movie and liked it or didn't like it, Leave us, uh, you know, leave us some feedback because we're always looking to get, you know, a little more involved with the fans and and meeting the fans and talking to the fans. Because, like I said previously, if it wasn't for them, wouldn't you know, wouldn't be a Snitsky or wouldn't be a WWE or any of that kind of stuff. So check all that stuff out, man. And uh, appreciate you having me on the show. Thanks for asking me. Sixteen years later, people are still talking about it. So. That uh, makes me smile. It makes my heart all warm and fuzzy. So, <laughs> Well, you've sure, truly been, you know, a, a pioneer when it comes to from being in a small town as well. Um, us being Pennsylvania guys, we greatly appreciate it. And thank you Always, so much for being on the show. And uh, I, I, appreciate I appreciate it too. And for all, all the right, people so- that are out there and didn't tune in or did not listen or, you know, just didn't show up it's not my fault that you missed probably the best podcast in the history of the show <laughs> beautiful plug ladies and gentlemen that is the wrestling and whatever podcast i'm jake Lowe with uh big gene snitsky here later and we're signing off thanks pal